There is no other king like him. There is no other king. Some things in life are more important than others, right? The phone is more important than the case. The car engine is more important than the bumper. The score of the game is more important than the color of the uniform. Integrity is more important than profit. And the true meaning of Jesus' resurrection is more important than the cultural traditions that surround it. Have you ever grasped the true significance of Easter at a heart level? Let's talk about that for a few minutes. If Jesus is reputed to be one of the most prominent and compelling people to have ever lived, it's wise to investigate his life. And since Jesus' message claims to be the truth, not a truth, and promises to give us power for living well, and promises eternal life, then it would rank as something very important. You're here today because you think that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and his message of hope, forgiveness, and everlasting life is surely worthwhile to acknowledge. Or maybe even to celebrate. Or maybe even joyfully embrace in faith. Some of you believe that Jesus is God, that he paid for mankind's sins on the cross and was raised back to life by the Father. Others of you are not yet convinced, but you're curious. You still have questions. You want to know more. And still others are simply here to acknowledge that Jesus and Easter are good and noble thoughts, but wouldn't say that either has truly changed your life. So wherever you're coming from, let's look together at what the Bible calls of first importance. Through the Apostle Paul, God declares in 1 Corinthians 15 this truth. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So of all the things that are written in the Bible and that's full of God's truth and promises and instruction and wisdom to guide us in this life, how to enjoy God's blessing and then give his blessing, all of those truths, he said there's one thing that stands out above it all. There's something of first importance that's vital that is at the top of the list and that's the resurrection of Christ, that he took our sins on that cross but is alive to give us life. Now, the biblical account in Matthew reads like this, Matthew 28, starting in verse 1, After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said. Jesus proclaimed a new kingdom. He proclaimed the kingdom of heaven, something far different than any earthly kingdom or any man-made or man-led empire. His very presence when he took on flesh and came to this earth. 
born of a virgin, spending 30 years, but then for three years proclaiming the kingdom of heaven, his very presence was the presence of the kingdom of heaven. He announced it and he embodied it. He came explaining that his kingdom of heaven was here now in part and also to come. The message of this kingdom was about rescue, about grace. It was a message about love and forgiveness. It was not a message of condemnation, burden, ritual, religiosity, shame, or earning God's acceptance through good works. He invited all people to come into his kingdom. There was no preference for status. All people were welcome to come into his kingdom and follow him as king. It was an invitation to reconnect with God. In our own sin, and our own waywardness, we had left God and wandered off into our own schemes, our own dreams, our own ways. It was true then, it's true today. It was an invitation to reconnect with God. It's still an invitation, wide open to everyone of God's people that he's created and that we can come back to him. Matthew 3, 2 says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said those words and he wanted people to turn from sin and turn to him because the kingdom was right here, right in their midst. Can you imagine being present and hearing those words fall from his lips, wondering who this Jesus was that was powerful in word and in deed. His teaching was like no other. He healed people. He gave grace. He slowed down and had compassion for people. He was broken over the brokenness of human lives. He understood even far better than them what the cause of that was and how to bring his healing. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is now right before you, right at hand. You don't have to wait any longer. Can you imagine hearing that? seeing that with your very own eyes. The one announcing it and embodying it, the kingdom of heaven was now open to mankind. And it is today. But there was one requirement for entering this kingdom. People must repent or turn from their sin and turn back to God. Jesus instructed people to turn from their false idols, their fears, their lusts, their coveting and stealing, their judging and hatred, their self-indulgence, their love of money, their worship of false gods, so that, so that their hearts could embrace the truth of this new kingdom so this Christ could reign in their life through love and reign in their heart. Isaiah 59.2 talks about this problem, though, of this separation. It says, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And God says, the wages of sin is death. You know, you hear those words and you go, that's like really bad news. Like, that's a heavy statement. Your sin. It was your fault. It was my fault. Our sin and waywardness, not obeying his commands, not loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, or loving our neighbor as ourself. God's two greatest commands. We're guilty. It's like bad news. It's heavy. It's, it's serious. We're separated from the God who created us, who has his fingerprints all over our lives because he created us in his very own likeness. We left God. We pursued our own, our own ends and our own dreams. How would this separation be 
between God and man be fixed? How could this guilt, the, the true guilt of people's sins, be removed so that they could reunite with God? After all, Jesus did tell us to pray in his famous prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. How is that possible when we're separated from God? To actually have his ways that are in heaven, on this earth, in relationships here, and his will, his will and his ways like in heaven here? It couldn't happen unless we were brought back to God. And that's what 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. What a trade that is. That we don't have to feel condemned or heavy before God, that we have this sin and that God, you know, know, that he hates us, he has no hope for us. It's like, no, the opposite. Jesus came to say, that is your condition, but I've come to rescue. I've come to give you my righteousness for your unrighteousness. Give that to me and I'll give you my holiness. I'll bring the separation to an end so that you can come back to God. Jesus told the people many times that he would have to die for their sin, for the sin of the world, something they did not understand at the time. That he would be the sacrificial lamb to take away the sin of the world. That in that he would fulfill all the prophecies written about him. That he would fulfill the entire law in himself and take their sin up on that cross. So God so loved the world of people he created that he sent Jesus on this rescue mission to bring us back into his kingdom. Entrance into his heavenly kingdom would require a lot of work and sacrifice. But not for us, for Christ. He would need to go to the cross and take the weight of God's wrath pointed at us against our sin in order to purchase our forgiveness. He died actually in our place and took it on himself. And because he was a spotless sacrifice, his death could be accepted by God the Father who is holy and righteous and perfect, but a holy, righteous, and perfect sacrifice was provided through Christ. His holiness covering our unworthiness. God showed once for all time that he approved of Jesus' sacrifice by raising him from the dead. Then God declared that Jesus would be the only acceptable bridge for all time between the kingdom, the earthly kingdom of sin and darkness to the kingdom of God's son, the heavenly kingdom. That's why Jesus' death and resurrection are of first importance. Could there be a more important message for mankind to hear, for you to hear today? Maybe for the first time, or maybe you've heard it before. We could be reunited and come into this heavenly kingdom. Because of his deep compassion for us, he makes that invitation to cross over into a kingdom that's all about love and light and grace and forgiveness and strength for people. Strength to conquer temptation and addiction and whatever fears we have in life. One that promises eternal hope. Then as we're in his kingdom, he can bring healing to those hurts in our lives. 
the hurts that others have caused, the hurts that we've even caused ourselves because we've walked away from God or walked in the ways of the world or in selfish ways. In this kingdom, he could bring his grace and his love to our relationships. As we understand his love more and experience it, we can share it. And new strength every day so that we don't grow weary in a really difficult world to live in. John chapter 5, the apostle tells us, I tell you the truth, or Jesus says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I love that metaphor. And it's actually literal, too, at the same time. It's so cool. We can cross over from sin and darkness and death and being so self-consumed with just our stuff and actually cross over, be transferred into the kingdom of his son from death to life. It's the greatest contrast the human mind can ever, ever consider. These thoughts this morning are the highest thoughts your brain has ever contemplated or your heart ever thought of. That you could be a person that is transferred from death to life, from darkness to light. From the weight of sin to being forgiven of sin. Is there any contrast greater than that you could ever think of? Some of you may think of an incredible meal you're going to have, right? Is it going to be a good Easter meal or is it going to be a great Easter meal? There could be a contrast, right? Are you preparing for that in a little bit? Okay, I mean, you're, you're, you want a great Easter meal. You know, so you're going to go over to a honey-baked tri-tip and you're going to bring that to the dinner table. Some of you know I like tri-tip. Anyway, okay, honey-baked ham. You know, and that could be a contrast how the meal really is. Was oh, it better than last year? Is it better than going out to eat? Is it a great meal compared to a good meal? That's not much of a contrast, though. The greatest contrast of all is for us to consider sincerely and deeply at a heart level that we could be a person forgiven and cross over from death to life. Colossians 1.13 says the same thing. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Darkness to light. A self-centered earthly kingdom versus a Christ-centered heavenly kingdom of love. So let me ask you a question. It's actually the most important question. Have you repented of your sin and crossed over into Christ's kingdom. I'm not asking if you've heard of these truths before, if you've ever come to an Easter service before, if you know a little bit about the Bible or Jesus or the church, that's not my question. My question is, have you ever repented of your sin personally and crossed over into his kingdom of love and light and forgiveness? God invites you today in this hearing, as I'm sharing these truths, he's inviting you today to experience, if you haven't yet, the incredible freedom of forgiveness. Sin weighs people down. Sin tears at relationships. Sin leaves you empty. The world promises you everything. Have you lived long enough to discover they can't keep their promises? Buy this, you'll be satisfied. Do this, you'll be happy. And you keep chasing and you keep grabbing and you keep hoping that it actually is true and you keep finding out, no, there's more fears, there's more stressors, more things I think I need to accomplish or be or accumulate. And you're just going, I got to get off of this merry-go-round. This is not working. I have more fears, more addictions, more hurts, more pains. I got a need for more of God than less. 
And when we can actually admit that to God and say, Lord, I need you in my life. You came on a rescue mission to bring me back to you, not to condemn me. You're here telling me there's hope, there's forgiveness. I can't cross over and come to know you and be reunited with you. Jesus, in speaking to a group of people that had lost their loved one, Lazarus, was four days after the death. They thought all hope was lost. They were grieving. Jesus shows up on the scene. They're like, great, you're a little late. The body's starting to smell. It's too late. It wasn't too late, not when you're Jesus. He raised Lazarus from the dead. But even before he did that, he's asking them in John 11, in these verses, if they believe something, and here's his question. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he turned to him and he said, do you believe this? The test was right there for them. They could cross over right then in his hearing. They could then see the power of the miracle of God raising Lazarus of the dead, a foreshadowing that Jesus would die and be raised up, and that anyone who believes in him, that's what the verse says. God goes on record saying, if you would just believe in me, even though you might die physically, you'll be raised up in new life. You'll be given a glorious new resurrection body when Christ returns. That's what he promised. I wonder what kind of body that's going to be. How old do you think we'll look? I doubt we'll have as much fat on us as we do now. I don't know. I'm just guessing. What do you think a glorious resurrection body that Jesus had when he came out of that tomb and exists in the right hand of God the Father right now? What's that going to be like for us? That's his guarantee and his promise. That's pretty huge. That's of first importance. That Jesus is who he said he was and is. That he conquered death for all of us. That there's hope if we believe in his name and follow him as king in his kingdom. Another verse, 1 John 1.19 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful. And he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness and sin does Jesus forgive when you ask him? How much? All of it. Oh, even that situation, even those choices, even when I meant to hurt that person, even though I have hatred toward that person, even though I'm so consumed with self and my future and my life and my investments and my job, and even all of that, that God would choose to just forgive? That seems way too easy. Don't I have to like get punished for stuff like that? That's how the world works. We gotta pay our dues. We get punished when we do things that are wrong. God put the punishment of your sin and my sin on his own son. That's how much he loves you. It needed to be paid for, surely. There had to be a recompense for the wrath of God against the unholiness of sin. The holiness of Christ took it for you and took it for me. That's huge. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He will forgive us. He will cleanse us. What a promise and what an invitation. That's the way of the king in his kingdom. That's not the way of this world. That's not the way of kingdoms on this earth. And you see kingdoms and empires and nations rising up against nations. And it's all out of comparison and out of greed and out of hatred, self-protection and all of that. 
Christ's kingdom is far different. And it promises us things that he can keep. That we would have hope and forgiveness and peace in our life and be welcomed into his eternal kingdom. To be with people that love God, those that have loved him from centuries past all the way to present until that day when Christ does return and sets up his new heaven and his new earth where righteousness will reign. Have you crossed over? Have you opened your heart to the very reason why Christ came to this earth? To rescue you. He did the work on the cross. The only thing that remains for us as those created in his image is to just receive the gift of his forgiveness and his grace and his invitation to be walking with him in his kingdom. To have the spirit of God actually live in your heart. To have your heart changed. If not, then that's for you today and that's why you're here. To just pray a simple prayer. People make it so complex. They want to shroud it with all kind of religiosity and religious terms and all that. And it's so simple. It's a prayer from your heart. God, I'm a sinner and I need you as a savior. It's really clear to me now. I don't know why it wasn't so clear, but the Holy Spirit may be opening your heart this very moment. You go, it's, it's clear. And I don't feel condemned. I'm not feeling shamed and guilted into anything. He actually came to lift that from me, not lay it on me. And I want to open my heart to God. And you do. And you just pray in your own words. Father, forgive me. We'll have an opportunity to do that in a few minutes. But if the Lord is stirring you right now, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you that you would have the blessing of God, his presence in your life, and be able to walk in his kingdom. Many of you here have already placed your faith in Christ as the king. And you're living in his kingdom. Then your life must be lived for Christ and his kingdom. More and more every day until he returns for us. Could there be a more crucial time for us to live as the light of the world and the salt to the earth, which God says is our identity as followers of Christ? Could there be a more crucial time? People are freaking out over what's going on in our world. They think another war is about to break out. People are freaking out over things going on in our country, right? There's so much political tension or racial tension or fears about this or that, and people are upset, they're, they're angry, they're stirred up, they don't have peace. Many people financially are experiencing that, or relationally there's tension and fears and disruption, there's a, just a conflict in their heart. But you and I, as the ones walking with Christ in his kingdom, even on this earth, can be the light of the world and point people to Jesus, the salt to the earth. At such a crucial time in human history. 2 Corinthians 5 says, He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, who for their sake died and was raised. If Christ went to that cross to give you life, and now you live and you know him and you claim him as Savior and Lord. You can't live for yourself anymore. That's what these verses are saying. You have to live for him. And you'd want to live for him if you know him truly. It's just a tension and a challenge oftentimes in the kind of world we live in. The Bible says very clearly, if we claim to know him, we must walk as he walked. If we claim to know Jesus, we must walk as Jesus walked. 
That's real Christianity. Nothing more and nothing less. We don't need to add to it. And we surely shouldn't take from it. This destroys the false notion which has become popular these days called easy believism or fire insurance faith. It destroys that because that's not biblical Christianity. And such ill-conceived faith cannot save a person. It never has been able to and it never will. Mental agreement with certain biblical truths, but without a humbled heart and transformed life, shows that we still have not crossed over to God's kingdom. If you were a hospital patient and received a heart transplant, you would know it, right? Your life would never be the same after that operation. You would always be thinking about your heart, that it's beating and that you have life. You would always wonder, is that heart going to be rejected at some point by your body? You would be so grateful, so changed. You literally could not be the same if you had been given a heart transplant, right? Maybe someone here has, or you've had other organs or other miracles of medical science in your body. And even myself, as I've shared in the last couple months, how God spared me from a burst blood vessel, and I know I have life, and it's a gift, and every day and every breath I draw is a gift from him, as is yours right now. True salvation. True salvation of crossing over into Christ's kingdom is asking for and receiving a new heart spiritually. Life can never be the same after God has invaded your heart with his love and forgiven you. His love should flow from your life, shouldn't it? If you know him. It's the most natural thing. Living for Christ means you have a high view. You should have a high view of his word, his church, and the fellowship of his people. That's what life in Christ's kingdom is all about. You didn't just reconnect with God. You walked into a new family, into a kingdom with other people that love him, other brothers and sisters in Christ. If these commitments are lacking, then rededicate yourself today to living to honor your king. If he's your king, honor your king. If you know you're in the kingdom, honor the ways of the kingdom and the ways of the king. Lift high his word. Lift high his fellowship of other believers. Live to display Christ. This service will soon be over. And then each of us will either go live for the glory of God or we will neglect God by living for our own pleasures, comforts, and dreams. Decide now that you want to live for the risen king, the one who reigns and rules this very moment in heaven over this entire creation, this universe, that he created with a word and also the one that rules and reigns in your heart. Find the right church for you and jump into it wholeheartedly. Your Savior is worthy of all your worship regularly or any sacrifice you could ever give to him out of gratefulness in your heart for the rescue that your king provided for you. Your God wants you to enjoy the fulfillment of being on the field, not sitting on the sidelines. You've ever played sports? Being on the field beats sitting on the sidelines, right? Awesome being on the team. 
Awesome putting on the uniform. That's not the deal, though. The deal is actually sweating, putting the skills, the gifts that God has given you on display, if you will, with the rest of the team to try to bring a victory about for that team. God wants you on the field. He doesn't want you watching from a distance or walking distantly from him if you know him as your king. He promises his children not only eternal life, but life in abundance right now. The greatest of joys are reserved for those who walk closely with God. The greatest of joys for the human heart, the human life, the human relationships that we have are reserved for those who walk closely with God. That's how God designed life from the very start. That's how it was in the garden before Adam and Eve messed it up through their sin and we mess it up through our sin if we don't walk with God as we should. It's time to be passionate about your walk with God and to grow closer to him, wouldn't you say? It's time. Each one of you really matter to God as you sit here today. doesn't matter if you're 13 or 8 or 68. God created you in his very own likeness. He knows your name. He knows your hurts. He knows your life. He hasn't missed a moment. Even if you've never walked with him before, he's watched over you. Or if you have been walking, he has displayed his love to you and spoken to you. But you matter deeply to God right now. And you always will. So deeply that he gave up his only son to go to a cross to demonstrate his love up front. Most people don't give you the depth of their love until way down the line, till you earn it, till there's reciprocation, till they really feel like, okay, you'll appreciate it. God said, right up front, I'm going to show you, I demonstrate my love for you while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And the greatest love we know in Scripture tells us is when one lays his life down for his friend. Jesus calls you a friend. He laid his life down for you because you matter that much to him. That's how deep his love is for you. Will he be of first importance to you? What a great message he's given us about life in him. Let's live it now for his glory and receive all that God has in mind for each one of us. A plan and a dream that God has for your life that you're just tasting of right now that God wants to bring into full relief, full bloom in your life. That's the true meaning of Easter. That's what the resurrection and the new life is all about. And it's offered to you. I'd like to ask the worship team to come on up. We're going to worship. We're going to have an offering. Uh, if you're a visitor here today, that offering is really for the family of Cornerstone. So if you're visiting, feel free to just pass that on. We're going to have an opportunity to worship, to pray, and just talk to God from our heart. Remember, big fancy words aren't needed, not necessary. You talk from where your heart is to God. He hears you, and he welcomes your heart to turn to him. We'll have a prayer, and then I'm going to ask the prayer team if they'd come and just be in place on the side walls. And they're there to pray for you about anything in your life going on. You might have a burden or a situation, a health issue. It could be your time to come and you just want to pray with someone physically to receive Christ and to come into his kingdom. You heard the invitation's wide open. You want to step in. 
Come and pray with them or for any needs that you have. They'll be right up here on the walls. And can you guys come right now so that they can eyeball you and know where to go? Thank you. And we'll have a closing prayer. Lord, thank you for being an incredible king that would come and take the sin of the world, our sin that was not your sin, Lord, but you graciously came and took it on yourself so that we could be free. For the joy set before you, you went for the cross and went to the cross and through the cross and to that grave and out of that grave because of the joy of knowing we would come back into a relationship with you that way. We'd be able to cross over. Thank you, Lord. That's for your heart today in your life. If you haven't crossed over to his kingdom, just say, God, I'm a sinner like everyone else. But my sin separated me from you. And God, I want to be reunited with you. Forgive me. You said you'd cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And you know it all, God. I'm not proud of it. You know it all, but you said your son took that all to the cross and paid it for me on my behalf. And I just want that for my life. Give me a new heart, Lord. Fill it with your love and your grace and your forgiveness right now. Father, may I now walk in new strength with you in your kingdom, wanting your ways to walk like Jesus, to see you do new things and to transform my life and my future to be full of your blessing, Lord. That's what I want. And Lord, for all of us that have known you, we do need truly to live for you. You're a great king and you're worthy of our worship and our service. You're worthy, Lord, of any sacrifice. You're worthy to be followed and followed daily and to gather up with other believers and to commit to a church, to just be all in or nothing. It doesn't make sense any other way if it's the truth. God, it's true. Please bring us back into full complete abandonment at a heart level in love for who you are and what you've done for us. And the fact that one day we're going to see you face to face and we have heaven to look forward to. But God, we want to be in the field and we want our lives to count now. Please, Lord, do that deeper work in me and send us from this place just ready to see you do new things, to resurrect areas that have died, to bring me back closer to you to shine the light in areas where there's darkness or direction that I need. Lord, whatever it is, as I walk more closely now with you, that you would do all those things for me and that you'd receive all the glory from a changed life. Thank you, Lord, for being such a great king, such a great friend and father to us. Receive our worship now, Lord. It comes from a full and grateful heart. 